Jude chapter 1 verse number 3 says this, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then uh, if you want to skip down to verse number 20, I want to read a couple verses there as well. Um, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, um, I'm stirred by the music that we heard and uh, Lord, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm needing something from you tonight myself, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would take these truths and that you would stir up my heart and stir up our hearts and help us to just get the right focus for the year that we're heading into and for the time that we're living. Lord, uh, we need you, and I ask that you would uh, do the speaking tonight and ask this in your precious name. And I'll give you the glory for it. Amen. I want to speak on this subject here, uh, pulling people out of the fire. You know, and like I says, I'm really just trying to, I want to encourage myself in this truth. The Bible talks about stirring yourself up. And uh, that's what I want to do tonight is I want to stir myself up for this year that we're heading into. And, uh, uh, you know, there, it's the wonderful thing about something ending and something beginning is that, you know, we get a... We get a fresh start, a fresh focus at it. And uh, the book of Jude comes right before the book of Revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And I think it's really got a lot to say about where we're living today. You know, Jude grew up with Jesus uh, as a half-brother, but he didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. Uh, you know, and it was after his conversion, this is what he had to say, you know. Jude warns us about dangers of our day and promises that have been made and our need to stay focused on the main thing. You know, he urges us as believers to contend for the faith. The word earnestly means uh, to sincerely with conviction. Uh, contend means to fight for the preeminence, you know, of the faith, you know, and... Uh, you know, he's telling us that we need to fight for our faith. And uh, military recruitment in this country is at an all-time low. And that's always due to the lack of confidence in the leadership. But that should never be the case with Christians. Okay? Because we have a perfect lead. We have perfect leadership. We have the Lord himself. You know? And yet the danger of our day is this. It's uh, when believers stop earnestly contending for the faith. Now he warns us about deceivers. Um, if you read, it's, a, it's just one chapter. It's good to just read the whole thing. It always speaks to me. I always get things out of that book. 
Um, he warns us about deceivers, you know, men crept and unawares. He warns us uh, uh, to beware of false teachers. And he warns us of the wrath that is to come. You know, but he, he also reminds us of promises that were made. Pro the promise that of eternal punishment for Satan and his angels. That one day it's going to be over. And he, the promise of judgment. Of the judgment that is to come. And, and the promise of the sudden return of, the, of Christ. The rapture. You know. But most importantly he, he encourages us to stay focused on what matters. You know, as we watch this world unravel around us, as we're waiting to be raptured out of it, we are to earnestly contend for the faith. That means Amen. to fight for the eternal Amen. and not the temporal. Amen. You know, we're urged to preserve and pass on these two truths. Who is God and how God saves? Amen. Those are the two main things that we are to be fighting for to do in our lives. You know, the book of Jude gives us a clear outline on how we can do both of those things. How we can know him and make him known. I'll put it to you that way. It's the same thing. You know, we are to know him. And in verse number 20, it says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, he says, we're to know him. I mean, do you know that uh, God, we've all got the same tools. We've all got the same things in front of us. I have a Bible. You have a Bible. I have a church. You have a church. You know, I have a voice. You have a voice. I have eyes. You have eyes. I have ears. You have ears. You know, I can read. You can read. We all got the same thing. You know, uh, but unless we take and uh, take those things and, and take his word and, and take his plan and build our faith up in him by getting to know him. OK, uh, nothing's going to happen. He tells us, if you want to know me, you need to take the things I've given you and build yourselves. Amen. You know, build that faith, build that confidence in me. You know, talk to me, praying in the Holy Ghost. And he says, and keep yourselves in the love of God. That doesn't mean i got to keep God loving me because he'll never love me more than he loved me the day on the cross. What it means is, you know, there are things that are going to try and enter my mind that's going to distance me and make me think that God doesn't love me. You know, too many people pick daisies based on their circumstances. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And when we're not feeling, uh, when things aren't all going our way and we're not feeling very loved, maybe it's because of our behavior. You know, when we act up, the devil sits on our shoulder with condemnation and he starts talking to you. And you start getting distant from the Lord. You're not, you're not... I, uh, 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 you know God loves you. You know you're saved, but you, you're just not being bold like you should be anymore. Amen. Because he's talking to you. And it says, looking for the mercy. Look, hey, I am probably the chief of sinners. Paul felt like he was the chief of sinners, you know. But I can tell you this, I am looking for the mercy. I, what I know about my God is this. Is that I have faith in him. I have faith that nothing can separate me from the love of God. And if he would reach down and save me, you know, no matter uh, what I've done or no matter what I would do, I'm looking for that mercy. And that's what I know about my God. Okay. Uh, uh, we're to know him. Okay. And then we're to make him known. 
Look, it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Look, we're living in a world that is lost and it's racing towards the flames of hell. You know, this is not new information. It's been that way for a long time. Jude's not writing to the lost world. No, he's writing to you and me. And you know what he's saying? But ye beloved, when I gave all diligence to write this unto you of the common salvation, it was needful to me that I write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. What's he saying? He's talking to us. He's saying, look, the day is coming when people are not going to fight for it anymore. The day is coming when, when, when uh, 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 they're not going to know him, so they're not going to make him known. And say, uh, he's telling us we need to fight. We need to fight every day to get to know him and to rest in him and to make him known. Amen. Jude's telling us uh, not to lose sight of the mission, to know him and to make him known. Pulling them out of the fire before it's too late. Amen. How do I pull people out of the fire? How do I get people from out there in here and in here? That's the main thing. Well, I ain't going to do it if I don't know. Them. But that's what he's saying. That's what we need to do. We need to get people that are out there, get them in here, get them in there, and then get them in here. And we need to fight for that because it just doesn't happen automatically. You know, uh, it starts with knowing them well enough to know that he's not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want one person to go to hell. There's not one unsavable person on this planet. Not a one. Do you know him? Did you know? Do you know that about God? That he's not willing that any should perish? You know, he's more interested in getting people saved than we are. Okay? We're going to have to build that faith. Hey, God wants these people saved. God wants these people to come to church. God wants these people baptized. God wants these people growing in the Lord. God wants these people, these pews full. God wants to do something. Do you know that about him? Do you know that about him? Because if you don't know him like that, you're not going to make him known like that. You know? We need to earnestly contend for the faith. You know? The world, the flesh, and the devil will talk you out of it every time. And it says... Let me just go on a little bit. He gives us a couple of tools. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Soul winning is the heartbeat of God. Now, I think Pastor wrote a book about that. You know what? We're in a great place. We have a great pastor. You know, somebody, somebody who's becoming more like Christ, okay, is going to have the same compelling force flowing out of them that drove Jesus to the cross. A compassion for the lost. 
Matthew 9.36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, uh, the word for uh, compassion is translated five different ways in the Bible. And uh, I couldn't pronounce them if my life depended on it, but it goes from weakest to strongest. You know, and this Jesus exemplified the strongest use of the word. Willing to suffer alongside of, you know, and in place of. Compassion. But when Jude mentions it, you know what? He mentions the weakest point, the weakest side of that word. You know, what's he telling us? He's telling us that just a little compassion. Just a little bit of compassion makes a difference. Okay? The lost will not be saved unless somebody shares the gospel with them. Somebody's got to tell them. Okay? Uh, and we who've received the gospel, we got the duty, we got the responsibility, you know, to reach out in the compassion to make a difference to those who are in need. Look, God could have used any number of ways to spread his message, you know. But he, we who have received the good news, you know, uh, uh, are, is who he chose. He chose his kids, okay, to get the word out. To take the responsibility for reaching the lost. Have you taken the responsibility for reaching the lost? Look, in 1 Corinthians... Uh, Chapter 1, verse 21 says this, For after man's wisdom, for after, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That is sharing the gospel. Okay? For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are the called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know, he, he gave the task to you and to me. How are you doing with that? Salvation, the salvation of a soul, is, it's three-dimensional. It, first, it involves the Lord, Okay. Jesus is the only Savior. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation under any other, uh, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. But secondly, it involves the soul winner. Someone's got to deliver the message. Okay? So he did his job. He was the Savior. Now, he hands it to us for us to do our job. You know, Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, without a soul winner, without someone to tell them? Then finally, there's the lost person. You know, he, he's, he must be willing to be saved. You know, Acts 2.40 says, and, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this 
untoward generation. You see the corruption that's going on. You see the crime. You see where it's headed. You feel it coming. Save yourself. I've given you the gospel. I've warned you of the truth. Save yourself. They have a responsibility too. I cannot do Jesus' part in it. You know, but I don't have to. He's already done it. And I can't do their part. I can't choose for them to accept the gospel. The only thing that I can do is present that message. Clearly with compassion. Short, sweet, and simple. So they can get it. If I'm faithful to do that, it'll make a difference. Not everyone's going to receive the message, but that's not my job. My job is to deliver it with compassion. You know, even if that individual, then it's up to that individual and then it's up to the Lord. Amen. But am I doing my job? Amen. Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he says, when I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die and thou givest not Givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from the wicked of his the wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou shalt save thy soul. But thou hast delivered thy soul. In other words, if, if we'll just be faithful Amen. to warn Amen. them yeah. with a little bit of compassion, it'll make a difference. Amen. I got a question. Is the driving force that drove Jesus to the cross, is it driving you to the lost? Amen. Is that in you? I mean... Is it in you on Monday? Is it in you at the grocery store? Is it in you in the coffee line? Is it in you at work? Is it in you on the street? Does it drive you to the streets? Compassion is what gets them from out there, in here, and in there. Okay. Mike Ray, Garfield Lane. I came one time. I got saved. I got baptized. I'd have never come back if that man hadn't come by, witnessed of all my friends, and leave tracks on the ground, and come by. And I saw more evidence, and come by, and come by. He never caught me, but he came by, and he came by. And he came by, and he came by, and he came by, and he came by. And he never, he never caught me. Finally, he caught me and goes, hey, I missed you. I didn't even know what to say, but I was, his compassion made a difference. It stuck me, me here for 33 years because I saw something I ain't never seen before. Hey, is this your soul winning? Ding dong, here's a track. Or is it just, here's a track? Is it a bump bump, here's a track? Is it just, 
Are you looking to talk to people? Sometimes you can't show compassion on the first visit. You know why bus routes are successful? Because you walk a neighborhood. And they see you on Saturday. And they go, who's that guy over there? I don't know, but he's here every Saturday. You know? And, and it doesn't, you know, you give the gospel where you can, but you know what it is? It's, a, it's, it's compassion being shown in the, in the, in the neighborhood that... Until you, and you squeeze that neighborhood until, until, until everybody sees it. And whether they get saved or whether they come or not, they all saw light. Amen. It makes a difference. Yeah, and that's how you get them from out there. Right. In here. And then in here. Amen. He gives us the formula. Hey, if you're not getting the results that you'd like to see. Well, I go soul on every Saturday. Wonderful. If you're not getting the results that you'd like to see, you need to do what my buddy Mark does. You know Mark? Uh, maybe not, but Brother Mark on my bus route. Um, here's, he, 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 had, he, he works with a lot of hard people. Hardened people. And you know what he does? They reject him. And he turns the compassion up. And they reject him. And he turns the compassion up. And they reject him. And he turns the compassion up. If you want to see better results. If you want to see people from out there. In there. And sitting next to you. Then you're going to have to. Turn the compassion up. Because you've got everything you need to do that. We all do. It says others save with fear. The reason why so many uh, people in the world or believers in the world today are not being faithful soul warners because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just warn them. But if we warn enough of them, you're going to win some of them because your compassion will make a difference. Okay? It's because they've lost the fear factor in their life. Mm -hmm. There's an element of fear in salvation. I remember the first time I heard a sermon on hell. I come in strung out on drugs. And that Holy Ghost began to shake my pew because I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And man, I did not want to go to hell. But I knew I deserved hell. And I was saved by fear. You know, I was scared to death. I wanted to escape that judgment. You know, and that's what got me saved. It was fear that saved me. You know? But there's another kind of fear I want to talk to you about. That should grip our hearts as believers. And it's this. It's the fear... Of facing God and giving an account of what <laughs> we've been given if we have not faithfully tried to spread the gospel. It's good. Amen. It's good. Second Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul trembled at the thought of facing Jesus without having warned the lost. He knew what had been handed him. He knew that he had salvation. He knew that he had the the, the cure for mankind, for for sin's problem. He knew he'd been given that. And he was scared to death. You know, of having to face Jesus, not doing what he could with what was given him. No wonder he was so devoted in spreading the gospel. We've lost our holy and healthy fear of God. And without it, we're not even smart. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I received the gospel 33 years ago, December 2nd, 1990. You know, my life, God gave me the truth that day. My, my life should be like a, a boat going across the lake. I should be leaving a wake. Amen. That's going to touch the shore. Amen. Are you leaving a wake behind you? That's going to touch the shores one day? Because I, I will give an account. Hey, I got saved on a big day. You got saved with the gospel. You were a steward of the gospel. I, I gave you eternal life. And you knew you were saved. And why now? What did you do with it? You know, whether or not I earnestly contended for the faith or not, it will be known. I don't know about you, but facing Jesus scares me. It scares me. You know why? Because I have been given so much opportunity. It moves me with fear to warn the lost everywhere I go. That's why I pass out. I I witness at work. I I see people saved at work. I, I witness everywhere I go. Are you holy fear is what gets them from out there into there and then right there. Have you lost the fear factor in your life? Have you thought about the day when you're eyeball to eyeball with Christ and he and he begins to be given account? Not of the sins that we've done, but of what we could have done. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I have a lot of respect for firemen. You know, it takes courage, you know, to rush into a burning building, it, 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 to put their own lives at risk, save others. Uh, they're worthy of respect. I personally am indebted to Cal Fire. I could have lost everything I had were it not for firemen. Amen. 
I lit a fire over there on 3rd Avenue, you know, mowing a, mowing a fire break, minding my own business. Get to the end of a row, I look back and, you know, and there's a fire going. So I race over there, circle around it, park my tractor with adrenaline flowing, not paying attention to the way the wind was blowing. And, uh, and uh, uh, I shoot my extinguishers and the flame starts coming. Now my tractor's being engulfed. And I run up on it and I burn my arm, blisters all the way out, get it out of there. And then I, I walk away and I sit on a rock and I'm watching this fire spread towards multi-million dollar houses all around. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a dead man. I, and I was, then in comes this fire truck. And they hopped out and they were organized and they put the thing out in a heartbeat. Boy, I owe him a debt. I owe him a debt. I have a lot of respect for firemen. You know, Jude uses the analogy of a fireman to describe the task of soul winning. Okay? Um, Pulling people out of the fires of hell. But that's the second time in the book of Jude that he mentions fire. He, he mentioned, he talked about it earlier in verse 7. He says, And even as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they suffered excruciating, painful death. Literal fire fell from the sky and destroyed their physical bodies. And then when they perished, they entered the gates of hell. They entered the gates of hell, the fires of hell. Mm-hmm. Brother Berto, I don't like this. It's good to think about. It's good to think about. If only there'd been somebody to pull them out of the fire in Sodom. Oh, wait. (laughs) There was. It was that, you know, Lot lived in Sodom. He had the gospel. He knew, you know, uh, but there, there was a lot of things wrong with Lot's life. But we know that he had a relationship with God. Because 2 Peter uh, 2.7 says, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For the ri- that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing uh, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Look, Lot didn't have a Bible, but he had an uncle Abraham who taught him all about God. And he learned that salvation was by grace through faith. And he, he received that gift you know, of eternal life. Lot was a just man. He, he had a righteous soul. He was, he was saved. You know, uh, but sadly, Lot didn't keep all those lessons that he'd learned from Abraham. His desire for wealth and prominence led him away from being a soul winner. It led him to the evil city of Sodom. And he didn't, uh, he didn't like the way that those people lived there. It bothered him. It vexed his soul. It bothered him. You know, but he didn't do anything to warn him. 
you know, about, he didn't warn them about the wrath of God, uh, of God against sin. He didn't warn them about anything. He didn't share anything that Abraham had shared with him. The Bible tells us that he, he, um, he accommodated himself with the evil that was around him. He didn't join it. He just tolerated it. Tolerated it enough to keep from being unpopular. Uh, he just didn't want to say anything because it was going to go against the flow. He didn't want to, uh, you know, it's just not worth, you know, I know what they're going to, they're all going to make fun of me. You know, he didn't want to be unpopular, so he just didn't say anything. He just accommodated himself with it. You know, God reached a point where he's finally ready to uh, destroy that city. In fact, he, he, you know, the Bible tells us that Lot, he actually sat in the gate. Do you know what that meant? That meant that he was respected. He was trusted in the city. They, they liked the fact that there's something different about you, Lot. We like you, Lot. We, and he, they, they let him sit in the gates and, 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 and help with uh, judgments and decisions and stuff. You know? That means he had a place of position of honor and he had a, he had a place of influence. But he failed to have an impact on Sodom. So when God just decides to destroy the city, you know, um, you remember the story, you know, Abraham's pleading with God and he's asking to spare the city. If there were 10 righteous people there, would you spare it? And God said, okay, I'll, I'll spare it for 10. There were eight people in Lot's family, you know, all he would have needed was two more and the city would have been spared. But he didn't even reach his family. And when the angels came to deliver him out of the city, Lot's family didn't want to go. Lot himself was in no hurry to leave. In, in uh, Genesis uh, 19, 16, it says, And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. He was lingering. Look, the death and destruction of God's judgment on that city could have been avoided if Lot had just been a fireman. Amen. It would have made a difference. We know that that's true because Jesus said it was true. Matthew eleven twenty one says, And thou Capernaum, which is exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works that had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Though Lot was a righteous man, there was something vitally missing in his life. And the sad truth is that it, it wasn't just Sodom that was destroyed. It was his family as well. And, you know, and it was all because Lot wasn't a fireman. Look, it's easy to look around in this world to say, this society we live in, the world we live in, and say, boy, it's messed up. It's easy to be vexed. It's easy to be annoyed and irritated and even angry at all the ungodliness. You know, there's plenty of reasons for righteous people to be upset. You know, all the evil and immorality publicly displayed and celebrated and paraded. But being upset about it doesn't pull people out of the fire. 
What our sinful society needs today is the same thing Sodom needed back then. It's for righteous people to become firemen. Problem with our evil society, you know, uh, cannot be solved by the government. Oh, when 2024 is coming up, it's going to fix it. A lot of people think that. We're just waiting for the tide to turn. Look, I wish our elected leaders had passed laws that promote good and punish wrong. But they don't. And they won't. They don't want to solve the problem. They only want to manage it. Keep it under control for their benefit. The only thing that can change the hearts of lost men and women is the power of the gospel. It's what we have. And therefore, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto us. You know? We who know God must make him known. Or it's not going to happen. Look, how are we supposed to encourage a world to repent? You know? Well, how are we supposed to get people out there, in here, and in there? It's hard. The Great Commission doesn't begin with the command to win souls. It begins with a statement of power. Power that is available to us to pull people out of the fire. To get them from out there, in here, and in there. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things, and uh, that I, uh, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. See, on that day when we're face to face, and we go, but Lord, it was this, Lord, it was that, Lord, I couldn't get a cab. I... I, I, I all our excuses, he's going to say, but I was with you. I was with you. This is what's missing in so many churches and in uh, so many Christians today. We don't have God's power. But we could. We have wonderful programs, but programs won't pull People out of the fire. You know, we have uh, uh, we have great music, but great music doesn't rescue people from the flames. We've got Baptist buffet. Now that'll do it. <laughs> but Baptist buffet isn't going to rescue the perishing. Hey, I've been I, I've been saved. Okay. Only because somebody pulled me out of the fire. Okay? I carry a Bible. By the way, I broke open my Christmas Bible. Unsticking the pages. 
I got a Bible. But carrying a Bible, that doesn't pull people out of the fire. Okay? I go to church, but going to church doesn't pull people out of the fire. Look, I wear a suit sometimes. But doesn't, that doesn't pull people out of the fire. I opened a present this uh, Christmas, and it was, uh, I got, Candace gave me some orange shirts. Jaden says, oh, good, you got new church clothes. <laughs> you know, what pulls people out of the fire is this, knowing that God wants to pull them out of the fire. Amen. Do you know him like that? God wants to save people. Do you know him like that? You know, I can't pull them out on my own, but he's empowered me to pull them out on his behalf. And I must earnestly contend for the faith to know that, know him, know he wants to reach people. And I need to make it known. Like the song says, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Look. We've got to have God's power to be effective firemen. Luke 11 says this. says, if a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a fi- for a fish a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he, of- will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, then how much more shall your... Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Look, those around us should be able to see the manifestation of the power of God in our lives. Herein is my Father glorified that ye should bear much fruit. God's glorified when people are pulled out of the flames. God is glorified when we use His power. You know, to find somebody who's out there and get them in there and get them sitting there. When we earnestly contend for the faith, having personal visitors will, be, will not be a rare occurrence. If we are contending for the faith, Fighting to know him, praying in the Holy Ghost, getting the power, knowing he wants people saved. If we're fighting for it, because we want it. Because that driving force that drove Jesus to the cross is now driving in us. That's how bad he wants people saved. It's it's not uh, uh, just for a select few. It's for everyone. All power is given unto me. You know, in heaven and earth. And lo, I am with you and you and you and you and you and you. Even unto the end of the world. Look. When we're earnestly contending for the faith, you know, having personal visitors... Uh, will not be a rare occurrence. It will become a regular occurrence. Okay? But it's going to take compassion. You might have to go back a couple of times. Sometimes, you know, it, it, just the one random isn't going to do it. 
but hey, man, I saw you last week. I just, hey, you know, I thought I'd give you... We all know people. Um, it, will, it will not be a rare occurrence. It'll be a regular occurrence because it is God's will for you and me. Herein is my Father glorified that ye should bear much fruit. And the only reason why Hopewell Baptist Church is, is here today, okay, is because we have had a real man who knows God well enough to wield his power, who has earnestly contended for the faith, Straight up, that's why I'm here. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to guess it's probably why all through the years, you know, many people are here, you know. He's earnestly contended for the faith. He has shown compassion that has made a difference. You know, he's, he has moved with fear to reach the lost. I mean, Jose got the answer right. Right? <laughs> Around the world, it goes. Same driving force that drew Jesus to the cross flows in the man that sits here. That's why I won't sit in his seat. I always sit down there. We've had a fireman here. You know, he set an example of pulling people out of the fire. Somebody once said that if you can explain apart from the supernatural power, if you can, if you can, if our life can be explained apart from the supernatural power of God, we're, 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 failure. we're a failure as a Christian. You know why? Because God lives in us. He's not on a cloud. He's not over there. Bless God, he is in us. And he wants to live through us. So that he can produce power for us. So that we can do great exploits for him. Do you know him like that? He wants us to go out there and get him in there and, and, and have him sitting there. Let me just add that, you know, we'll certainly be a failure as a soul winner if when we try to do it without God's power. There came a day when Lot's life when he wanted to save the people. Oh, man, it's coming down. I better tell somebody. You know, when the angels warned him of the coming destruction, he tried uh, to get people to leave, but they refused. In fact, it says, and Lot went and he spake unto his son-in-law, uh, which married his daughters and, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. See, Lot was a good businessman. You know, his flocks and his herds multiplied. His wealth gave him secular influence. But because he was a poor Christian, because he did not have God's power on his life, he had no spiritual influence, not even with his own family. Those around us, especially those closest to us, should be able to easily tell that our walk 
with God is real and that his power is on our lives. How different things would have been, you know, uh, uh, if Abraham had lived in Sodom. God would have had no problem finding way more than 10 righteous people because Abraham left a trail awake. But Lot, he didn't have the same kind of influence Abraham did. He was, he was way too much uh, like the people of Sodom. He didn't participate in their evil deeds, but, but he lived as close to it as he could get. And he allowed his wife and daughters to be in love with the city life and adopt their values. It's no wonder he didn't have an impact on Sodom. And when he failed uh, to make a positive impact, you know, because he failed to make a positive impact on his own family. The women of Lot's family needed a fireman. The people of Sodom needed a fireman. They didn't have one. And they perished in the flames. Hey, Hopewell Baptist Church. Napa needs a fireman. The jail needs a fireman. The rest homes need a fireman. Vallejo needs some firemen. Fairfield needs some firemen. Sonoma. Did we forget about Sonoma? Sonoma needs a fireman. Did we forget about Rodeo? Rodeo needs a fireman. You know, we need more fire trucks and we need more firemen to man them. You know, it's an old illustration, but uh, why don't you guys stand up real quick. You know, around a firehouse, I've used this before, I'm sure, but around a firehouse, there's, uh, let me raise your right hand. You swear to be firemen? Yep. Tell me God, as long as you live, amen. You're all firemen, okay? Around a firehouse, there's lots of things to do, okay? Uh, the lawn, the, 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 the uh, building needs maintenance. You take care of that? All right. Um, the truck has to have the tools put away. Did you hear me? The tools have to be put back where you got them. Yes, yep. Okay? And they can't be not there when you don't find them. You know, when you need a tool, you need a tool, right? Tools got to be. Take care of the truck. And I've heard about your carne asada. You, the fireman's got to eat, right? Right? So once you do the shopping, I want you to do the cooking. Keep those boys alive. They like to eat. Okay, you got your jobs down? What do you do? Um, maintenance. What do you do? Put tools back. <laughs> what do you do? Make food. That's not your job. We don't pay you to do that. Sit down. <laughs> we pay you to pull people out of the fires. That's your job. Right? Hey, we need a thriving choir. We need great music. We need maintenance done on this property. And we need, we need all these things. We need them. But that's not your job. It's a firehouse, right? Our job is to go pull them out of the fire. We can't forget that. 
We think of Sodom as being the most wicked place, you know, there ever was. But America seems pretty bent on passing that up for sure. Yet Jesus said that if there, you know, if the mighty works had been done there, you know, if they had a fireman, they would have, they would have repented. The problem with our nation is not the sinners. It's the righteous. Who want to sit in here and say, oh, it's getting bad out there. Oh, it's not their fault. It's not enough just to have a righteous soul. Lot had that. It didn't pull anyone out of the fire. We must be about the business of pulling people out of the fire. We must have the same driving force that drove Jesus to the cross. 33 years here on earth. He was thinking about it as a teenager. He was thinking about it all through every step. He, when he passed by certain places, he knew. He was always on his mind. He was always pushing towards it. Problem with our world today is we got too many people waiting for the rapture. Right. Praise God I'm saved. Us four and no more. Swinging hands. Sure is bad out there. Don't want to go out there. It's not safe. <clears throat> we should be earnestly contending for the faith. You know, not standing by and doing nothing. You know, while the world goes to hell. When we could be firemen while we wait. I'll tell you the truth. It's exciting. I love it. I love going out and bouncing around, throwing away my watch and looking for people and getting them here. It's exciting. You know, there's nothing like it. Um, coming in for a landing. We can be a Christian without being a soul winner. But we can't be Christ-like without pulling people out of the fire. That was the purpose of the life of Jesus. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We cannot be like him without sharing his passion for souls. Some people think that America's past the point of return and they've just given up on it. You know, the world's definitely rushing toward evil. I'll give you that. And I don't know, you know, if they're right or not. I pray they're not. I pray we have some more years. But if any judgment God brings on this world, it is, you know, fully deserved. But the judgment, if the judgment falls, okay, it will not be the fault of the sodomites. It will not be the fault of the abortionists. It will not be the fault of the pornographers. It will not be the fault of the drug cartels. It will not be the fault of the corrupt politicians. 
it'll be the fault of the Christians. Sodom would have been spared if Lot had earnestly contended for the faith. You know, if he'd just been an empowered fireman. You know, I don't want to settle for a powerless life. I want to be an effective fireman, pulling people out of the flames. A newspaper man found uh, Dr. Livingston you know, in the middle of Africa in a day where there was no GPS. I can't imagine what a task that would have been. Whatever happened to that guy, I don't know. He took off in Africa. We haven't seen him since. Go send word. Find him. How do you find somebody like that? Search a whole continent? No, you know how he found him? They, he followed the trail of converts. I want to leave a trail of people like a boat wake behind me. You know? People that have been pulled by the fire. I'll close with this. You know what my greatest fear is? It's this. My greatest fear is that I end up like the Dead Sea. You know, I think, is that, isn't that where Sodom was? <laughs> Dead Sea area? I don't know. For sure. You know, I think it was around there. I don't know. But I don't want to end up like the Dead Sea. Rich. Man, because I've got more than I could ask for. Fat. Well, it's too late for that. Fat. Plenty to eat. Salty. <laughs> Buddy, I've heard some preaching. Tony Hudson. Mike Ray, Mike Johnson, you know, Brother Treber. <laughs> Salty. And dead. Always receiving the benefit of this life. But too low to flow. I want to be like the Sea of Galilee. Overflowing with life. You know? Overflowing with what's been given to me. You know, full of life. And all because I sprung a leak called the Jordan River. So no matter how much you dump in and bless the Sea of Galilee, it flows. You know, heaven's a rich place. The Lord said, I'm going to spring a leak. I'm going to send the Savior. I'm going to come to that world. I'm going to spring a leak. I'm going to share what I have up here. I don't want, I don't want to get like the, like the Dead Sea. Rich, fat, salty, and dead. Too low to flow. I want to, I want to, I want to know him make him know. I know I said a lot of things that are probably a little heavy tonight. But I'm, I'm speaking to myself. And um, this is going to be a great year. And this is a soul winning church. This is a wonderful church. I would not have stayed here 33 years if, if, it, wasn't, if, if it wasn't for the heartbeat of this church. 
We can't lose that. Time is short. We got to stay focused. Knowing him, making him known.